Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Redcasters, be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to be notified about our latest videos. Go Big Red. Uh, and then one, when I first got there, freaking Adam character. He, he was... He's just one of my favorite people. You know, he's like the big, just looks like a freaking monster. Like he's just huge. But man, he's the nicest dude you ever meet. You know, like his his his, his wife's small and she's the sweetest. And he's just one of the you know most genuine dudes that you know I, I met whenever I was playing there. So I mean you can't help but to be a, a fan of his. Welcome to the forum. Uh, I'm your host, Honky, and our guest tonight, uh, he needs no introduction. He's a former black shirt, played at NU from 2002 to 2006, and was a first-round pick of the St. Louis uh, Rams in the 2007 draft. Uh, he'd go on to play seven years in the pros before retiring and taking over as host of the Character Chronicles. Welcome to the forum, Adam Character. How's it going? Going good, going good. Uh, well, we're going to get into the questions here shortly, but uh, before we do, uh, you have some news to share about uh, the Character Chronicles making a move. Uh, can you let the Redcasters know a little bit about what that is? Yeah, if you haven't heard, the Character Chronicles will be going out on its own. Now, there's a few different endeavor, uh, dev- endeavors, easy for me to say, that I've been fortunate enough to have presented my way. So I'm pretty excited about this. And then, like I said, I put it out a couple times, but for those who don't know, I'm going to start doing the Big Ten show. You know, we were coming up with the name for the show. My co-host is Jeff Thurn. And he's like, let's call, you know, the, the Big Ten football show or a Big Ten show. I was like, no, 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 no. Ohio State goes with the Ohio State. So we're the Big Ten show. So uh, that's where we came up with that. We're talking all things Big Ten sports. So that transcends, obviously, all the, you know, 14 schools, soon to be 16 in all sports as well. And then I'll be doing stuff on 93.7, the ticket. Uh, DP's doing great things over there. I was excited to get his phone call. The Chronicles will be going out on Sports Illustrated, uh, doing a few things there as well. Now, the actual Chronicles show, I don't know when it's going to come back. You can see I don't have the Chronicles banner behind me. I actually have the Character Live banner mm-hmm. because we're setting everything up. Uh, it just kind of so happens that the Big Ten show is coming together and a few of the other things are coming together. The, the Chronicles... I don't want to call it my baby, but it feels kind of like my baby. So it's kind of the one I'm taking the the most amount of time with. And I mean, it, I might start doing it come spring. If it doesn't happen during spring ball, it'll probably be August. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of points starting June, July. So probably August is what's most likely. And I'm trying to set up some pretty cool, unique interviews for those as well. Those first few shows when I do come back with it. Very cool. Yeah. Well, and this is the Adam Character show. We'll start next Monday, a week from today, April 10th. Every Monday from 12 to 1 p.m. on 93.7, the ticket. All right. Well, while we're doing promos here, let me get a couple out on our end. Tomorrow night, we're going to do a show with Glenn Snodgrass. He's the York High School football coach. He's coming back to the Redcast, 
and he was at the Nebraska Coaches Clinic last weekend, so we'll do a recap of that. So that's everything from the coaches that spoke. Coach Osborne, of course, was the, the keynote speaker there. Also, the scrimmage that uh, where quarterbacks were live. I think we might talk about that in a little bit, Adam, what that is about. But um, okay. uh, anyways, he was at that. Next, we have the, the next fan form is a week from Wednesday night. Brandon Cavanaugh, a Husker college football analyst with Athlon Sports. And last but not least, I want to throw this one out here. This is the Sam Foltz Memorial Kicking Camp. Uh, we were asked to promote this Friday, July 7th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Grand Island, Grand Island Senior High School. It's going to have uh, Jamie Cole of Cole's Kicking Camp, and 100% of all proceeds go to the SF27 Foundation. So if you're a kicker or if you're a coach who has a kicker, make sure you got, check that out there. That's going to be July 7th, the Sam Foltz Memorial Kicking Camp. All right. Well, Adam, welcome to the forum. And what is the forum? Well, we asked the same four questions to all Husker fans to uh, to learn a little bit more about them. And that's why are you a Husker fan? What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Who are your all-time favorite Huskers? And how do you think the Huskers will do this next year? So let's get right into it with question one. Adam Carricker, why are you a Husker fan? Uh, David Carricker, my dad. He's probably the biggest Husker fan I've ever met in my entire life. You know, as a young kid... He would sit there and he'd, he'd watch every Saturday. And I was too young to really understand what was going on. Everything on the TV kind of looked like a blur. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know, really know what football was. As I got older, you know, I'd sit down. I'd watch the Oklahoma game with them every year. And then it turned into, you know, Colorado as things evolved over time with the Big 12 and all that. Our entire week in the character house completely revolved around if Nebraska won or lost. If Nebraska won which was pretty typical back in those days, it was going to be a good week. If they lost, I tell you, I was walking on eggshells. I better not get in trouble. And I'll never forget, uh, I think it was 99, we lost at Texas, a game we should have won, had a few too many fumbles. If I recall right, there was a bye week after that game. Longest two weeks in the history of the Carriker household. (laughs) The only thing that was going to make my dad happy was Nebraska winning again. So I don't even think he realized what was happening to him right next on the couch right next to him on the couch all those years. Cause I'd sit down and I watched the games with him and he was aware that I was there, but he was so engulfed in his own fandom. I don't even think he realized what was happening. So it's plain and simply uh, David Carricker and his fandom are rubbing off on to Adam Carricker. Well, that is, that's a, a common thing that we get here. Now you grew up in Kennewick, Washington. It, how did your dad then get that fandom in him? Was he from Nebraska or where's the connection to Nebraska with, uh, with him? So he was born in Giltner, Giltner, Nebraska, small town outside of Lincoln. He was born and raised on a family farm, blue collar, small town, hard working farm boy. That's who he was. That's who my grandparents were. That's how he was raised. So even though I grew up halfway across the country, I'm the only, really the only city folk, city kid in my entire family, everybody's country. Even my mom grew up in the mountains of Montana in a log cabin that my grandpa built. And they... That's where she grew up in the country. That's where, you know, I have half siblings. The, most of them grew up. I guess my one half sister grew up in Lexington, so kind of in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Where my sister Carrie grew up in Montana. And then obviously on my dad's side, uh, farm, family, country. My, my in-laws, they've had the same family farm outside of Ogallala, Nebraska for I think 110 years now. They just celebrated. So they're all, they're all you know, country folks. So here comes this city slicker, Adam Carricker. Um, but you know, that's kind of how I was raised. That's kind of how that all developed. And, uh, I don't know. I think my dad, I think he just, my mom tells stories 
or used to tell stories when I was a kid about those Nebraska-Oklahoma games back when they were on Thanksgiving and how nervous he would be. He'd, they'd be eating Thanksgiving dinner before the game. Like, legit, he'd be so nervous that his fork <laughs> would be shaking. Because, you know, the winner more often than not went to the Orange Bowl, Big A champ, going to the national mm-hmm. championship a lot of times. And so he'd literally be shaking. My mom would just sit there and make fun of him. You know, she doesn't care. She's, an, she's a Montana gal. So, anyways, uh, I think that's kind of how it morphed. That's kind of what happened. That's kind of how it started in him. And then he, I think, honestly, unknowingly, he passed it on to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're not the first former player we've had on to, to the forum. We've also had Rob Zaska. We've had Cody Glenn, as we saw at the opening intro there. And one of the the themes that have come with them is talking about the coaches that brought them in, too. That's one of the reasons part of their fandom, essentially. Some of them, it, it started with that. In your case, you were a fan before it. But uh, to go along that, we just heard this last week. Frank Solch is going to be coming back for the first time since 2003, what were the thoughts that went through your head the first time you heard that he's going to be coming back? And what was that like playing for him, being recruited by him? Because uh, you got here in 2002. Yeah, so that was the guy that recruited me. That was the guy that I committed to play for. You know, we can just, you know, don't need to. The whole the whole firing thing and how you found out about it, how I found out about it, all that, all that glorious stuff, if you want to be a little sarcastic there. You know, I am, I'm happy that he went on to Ohio did really good things. I believe the field there is now named after him. Uh, that's some pretty cool stuff. And I'm glad that he's being brought back, being honored. And it's a very cool deal. And I, you know, I heard that he wasn't too keen on coming back. It was kind of presented to him. We'll do it for the, for the other people. Do it for the people who've supported you. And it's interesting because that's what got him to be more mm-hmm. receptive to coming back. And that tells you all you need to know about Coach Solich. Yep. Yep, we're on the fan forum, and he's coming back because of the fans. You know, thinking someone else. That's pretty cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to question two. What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Oh, man. The one that sticks out to me is watching the, the 95 Orange Bowl. You probably get this a lot. But as a kid, you know, I had watched the Citrus Bowl versus Georgia Tech. And I had watched the Orange Bowl versus Miami. I think it was 22 nothing one year, maybe 22-3 another year. And just, I think we had seven consecutive bowl losses at one yep. point, And a lot of things were being questioned and Osborne was being questioned. You know, um, I remember watching us play Florida State in the 92, after the 92 season, I think 93 Orange Bowl. I think we ended up making a very competitive losing by two touchdowns. 27-14-ish? Yeah, yeah, roughly. Yep. And I remember talking to Tommy, and this was years ago. I, it was my show, Fourth and Pain, back in D.C., and I, he was, I think, the first guest I ever had on, or the first one from Nebraska. And he talked about that was the day, the first time that they felt like they knew and they believed they could finally compete with those Florida teams that they'd been struggling with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, next year they come in, they play Florida State again, should have won the game, did not. It's neither here nor there, but it kind of led to the Miami game and the 95 Orange Bowl, the 94 season. And I actually just watched this about a year ago with my son. First of all, I forgot how biased Todd Collinsworth 
was at the beginning of that broadcast for Miami. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've I completely forgot it was bad. I mean, he made it sound like we didn't belong on the field. And then as the game goes along, he starts talking about Tom Osborne and Brooke Beringer and Tommy Frazier and how they're wearing them down. I'm like, where was this from the first quarter when you were talking about how slow we were and how mm-hmm. fast they were and all this other stuff? So I digress. Uh, I'm not a gigantic Todd Collinsworth fan. He's been doing it for a long time, so who am I to question him? But uh, for me, watching Corey Schlesinger break through on his second touchdown run, and you're like, oh, that's it. Miami's going to get the ball, but they ain't done anything in this second half. Uh, you knew that was a wrap. And then Terry Keneally getting the sack to seal the game. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, I was probably uh, about 10 years old, maybe not quite 10 yet, born in May, so probably nine and a half. And for me, that was that was a big moment. And I'll never forget going into the next year, we'd actually moved. So I still have the image of the new place that we lived in in my head, getting ready to play the Gators. I remember, you know, the – Corso and some of the other guys before the game were talking about how the Florida was going to win and the speed and all that stuff. And I remember my dad looking at me and going, man, I'm even more nervous this year than I was last year going into to that Orange Bowl game. Uh, he was even more nervous going into the Fiesta Bowl. And then all of a sudden, you know, 62, 24 later, but bam. So for me, my dad recorded both those games. Mm-hmm. I watched those games at least once every summer, at least if not more than that especially the Orange Bowl game, because that one, I love the muddy jerseys. I loved how dirty it got as far as, you know, just mud all over the place, true football. And so for me, that's probably my favorite uh, fan Husker memory was just watching that game. And I actually got the chance, oh, three, four years ago with Rob. I brought him on my show. It was supposed to be a, you know, 30-minute show. Rob's a smart guy. Rob likes to chat a little bit, not the fastest talker in the world. It turned out to be 90 minutes, and I very much appreciated his time. He did a great job. But I legit went throughout the game, and he told me what they were thinking at certain points throughout mm-hmm. the game. And I thought that that was pretty cool to get that from a guy, to get that perspective from a guy who was there and in the game at that time. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, that, that game, that's a common theme also on this for that, that question. Uh, for anyone that grew up in that kind of era, I, I was born in 77, my formative year – of uh, Husker football was 83. So I got into it with the scoring explosion and all that, but mm-hmm. you know, and, and I say this, you know, with quotation marks around it, the, the pain that we felt in the eighties, cause we couldn't beat Oklahoma, but you're winning nine, 10 games every, every year. But with Osborne, there was this theme that people have now looking back on it where, Oh, it's this glorious 25 years. It was just this straight trajectory to winning championships. And along the way, I, he was fired thousands of times across Nebraska. Couldn't win the big game. Didn't run the ball enough. Couldn't beat Oklahoma. Seven straight bowl losses. No one talks about that. We're playing Florida state, Miami in their home stadiums or mm-hmm. that we're playing Georgia tech down there in, in Orlando. Nobody talks about that. It's just, it's the losses, but that win against Miami. And it was unbelievable. I, I didn't feel comfortable until the literally the last interception that Kareem Moss had. In it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, even when Keneally gets the sack, even with Dante Jones and the great sack they had there, I still just thought, oh, Miami's going to pull something out. And uh, to, to get that win, it was just unbelievable. I mean, that's a – I get goosebumps thinking about it right now, and it's something that really um, – it started earlier, though. It wasn't that game. It wasn't that season. It's what Tommy talked to you about in 92. You could start to see the, you know, the seeds of it getting planted there early, and uh, it was great to, to actually have it come out with a full championship there for us. Yeah, I remember in uh, – well, I don't remember – I wasn't around, but I, I'm aware of in 78, you know, Osborne mm-hmm. started 0-6 versus Oklahoma. That was the first of many firings was when after he started 0-6 versus Oklahoma after his first six seasons, and he brought, finally was able to break through. 
So that was one. And then he actually gathered his staff after that Citrus Bowl, after that loss to Georgia Tech, and said, you might want to start looking for jobs. We very well mm-hmm. may get fired. And, and he's told me that on different interviews that yep. I've done with him. And I'll never forget, I think, I think Frost had just been hired. And I brought Osborne on, and I was like, what's the biggest piece of advice you could give a coach? You know, I'm sitting here and, and I know better than to think it's going to be X's and O's because mm-hmm. Solich, I've asked him that same thing. And he said, Adam, anybody can drop X's and O's. I'm thinking it's going to be recruiting or building relationships, which by the way, was Frank Solich's answer with Osborne. He pauses and he goes, you better have thick skin. And I was like, wow, that is, that is telling uh, of some of the things that he went through. Yeah. Uh, rewritten, I don't want to say rewritten history, but you know, the way people look back at history is a little bit than how people might see it when they were going through it. Because he, he received a lot of criticism for a long time. Like yep. you said, now it's 25 years of glory. Uh, when, you're, when his response is, you need thick skin, you can tell it was a little different when he was going through it. So it, it makes his run even more impressive now when you look back on it, mm. everything he was dealing with. You know, I'd love to see a bowl game in the North. You're never going to. But I'd love to see a bowl game in the North. I've always wanted to see one in the North. They finally did a Super Bowl like in New York or the Meadowlands mm-hmm. a few years ago. So it was a little chilly. But you know, I've always thought because the bowl games, the warm weather teams have the better record. Well, are they better? Maybe. Or do they just have an advantage that rolls over into every freaking bowl game every single year for God knows how long? Sure. You know, that could be part of it, too. Well, I mean, if this is such a game of inches and we hear that all the time, to your point about Corso before the uh, Fiesta Bowl, we were the greatest team of all time was literally going to lose that game because it was played on grass. Yep. As if these guys had never put cleats on before. Yep, I remember Which is, that. You know, it's ridiculous, uh, ridiculous. It's laughable now, but it's the reality that, you know, there is a lot of advantages that happen to those Southern schools there. The, the average distance that their fans have to travel to go to a, a bowl game versus ours, let alone the fact that Miami's playing in their home stadium against us. You know, things like that, that, that irked me over the years, but I'm excited moving forward with the hopefully expanded playoff. And if they can get some home games in December, even if it's the like the first round of the playoff, they're talking about having some home games there. And just the thought of Lincoln, Nebraska hosting a game someday, uh, you know, with a, an SEC coming up team coming up here or my, Michigan or, or Columbus, Ohio, or you, you name it, Madison, Wisconsin, whatever it is, hosting one of those games. That would be awesome. I'd love to see those teams get out of their comfort zone. I think Florida this year goes to Utah in the non-conference, and it's the first time since like the early 90s that Florida is leaving the state of Florida for a non-conference football game. Just ridiculous. So There's so many things that you can dive into. That's a very true slippery slope. You can mm-hmm. talk about their second bye week. Oh, I mean their opponents that they supposedly play right before their rivalry games, yep. uh, the SEC, which is soon soon to end finally uh, when Oklahoma and Texas go over there because they're going to go to the 3-6-6 six, six scheduling, so they're actually going to play nine conference games. Yep. But the fact that they've only played eight for years and then they always play kind of a gimme game right before their rivalry games, which obviously – Gives them a chance to get healthy, so they're less likely to be upset, even by a team that may not be as good as them. But a rivalry game, you never know what will happen. So there's all these different things you can chat about. I wish I wish all the playoff games, and barring maybe the championship, were, were going to be on home college campuses. Absolutely. I wish I, they're going to try to keep the bowl system as much as they can, even though they've destroyed the bowl system by the way they've done mm-hmm. the playoff. Like Nobody cares. Here's, the, here's what I tell people. And I'll probably give you this answer here in a minute. You know, Nebraska wants to get to a bowl game real bad this year. That would be a successful year one for Matt Rule. If we get to a bowl game, that'd be awesome. 
all the kids are going to opt out, but we get to a bowl game anyway, <laughs> because people don't care about bowl games. And, yep. you know, to me that, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I miss the bowl games. I miss them mattering. Even the Rose Bowl, that was like the one last sacred game. And then two years ago, Ohio State had five starters sit out and they kind of made the Rose Bowl not the sacred game that it once was. So for me, I would love to see all the playoff games on on the higher seeded home field. But uh, I guess one step at a time. Yeah, I, I used to be that guy that was absolutely not key. You know, four-team playoff was too big, in my opinion. It, it ruined the sanctity of the season, yada, yada. As we've moved along with this and as they've kind of bastardized the Bulls to what it is now, at this point, make the make the make expand the playoffs as much as you want. They're talking about going to 12. I'd say go to 24, go to 36. Do whatever you're going to do because, because that's more exciting right now. The bowl season's become so terrible to watch. So many of these games are, are people just, you know, sitting it out. They're not important. It's all televised. The 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 playoff is all televised by one network. So they've they've diminished the value of all these other bowl games that used to mean something. So from my perspective now, uh, you know, let's play the game. Let's get into the let's have an expanded playoff. Let's get more teams involved and uh, let's do some things with getting games being played at uh, home stadiums. I think that would be awesome. It'd be a great way to get more of this country involved than just a, a few southern schools and and uh, towns along the uh, the ocean. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. I've had this debate with a few people. I've I've never actually brought it up on a show before. Do you think there's a way? And I've kind of devised a, a possible plan, potential idea, to try to save the bowl games. So to me, it's always been interesting. If these kids opt out of a bowl game, you you've got a scholarship contract. You're not fulfilling your end of the contract. Mm-hmm. Why, why can they just? opt out why can they just leave like that without any sort of repercussions any sort of contract you're in you have to honor it or there's a repercussion so to me first off i would start by one of the things these kids would love is to get more of the money from a bowl game a bowl game could kind of be separate like and you'd have to do a whole lot more detail and planning and discussion than what i'm about to analyze or what i'm about to throw out there but certain uh certain players could get a certain amount of the total pot you know, quarterbacks would probably get the most. And if there's an award winner, they could get a certain amount. And a starter gets a certain amount. And it would be based, you know, it, 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 like I said, you'd have to do a lot of discussion on this. But they'd be allocated to the impact you might have on the game. Like a quarterback's probably going to have a little bit more. Or a Heisman Trophy winner, if, especially if it's a non-quarterback, would have a little bit more. But so they're getting a piece of the pie for these bowl games. That could make it more interesting. Because I'll tell you from a former player's perspective, hmm, I'm going to play in this, other, this extra game that, doesn't matter a lot a month of practices and i might get hurt but if you give them a reason to play and here's the other idea i have whatever let's say i'll just grab a number let's say the quarterback would have been paid 10 grand to play in the bowl game if you don't play you don't get the 10 grand you also get doubled you get fined double the amount that you would have been paid so now you're talking a deficit of thirty thousand dollars just to play in one more game and honestly i think quarterbacks would get paid a lot more than that but let's just say it was 25 grand so now they're not getting paid the 25, then they get fined 50. So now it's a deficit of $75,000. Because to me, this is a business. This is a contract. You're not honoring it. So there has to be a reason. There has to be some sort of repercussions for it. So to me, I don't know if that would work because I think the way people view the bowl games, it, I don't, maybe it's too far gone. Hmm. But like Alabama, all their guys came and played. That made the Sugar Bowl more interesting. And then it wasn't yep. when they killed Kansas State. But for a half, it was interesting. You know, so for me, uh, I've always thought if you can get the players to stay and play in these bowl games, it would make it more interesting, and I think it would be better for the sport. And all they all they really want at this point is uh, a monetary incentive. 
whether it be I'm getting paid or I'm going to get fined one way or the other. I don't know. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think it's a couple of things. Number one, I'd look at a school like Alabama. What are they doing to get players to play in it when all these other schools are having trouble keeping their guys in it? The other thing is, I this is the traditionalist to me, I hate the concept that we have to pay players to not want to leave early to when they're already getting NIL now, when they're already you know, on the scholarship, getting things that, that, that weren't available to them in years past. Do you do we start to look at the, the bowl games in a different way? Do we look at it as developmental to the next year? Meaning if you're a player, a freshman, this doesn't go against your four games redshirt rule that you just flat out. It's an extra game. It doesn't it doesn't go against your eligibility. It doesn't cost you a year. Let's find ways to incentivize players. So if you go back to, like, say, the last bowl game we played in against Tennessee, when we were down to Riker Fife as our quarterback, because we don't have anyone else available. Now, we had Patrick O'Brien, but if we play him, we lose him. Well, now we have the four-game redshirt rule, but let's say he would have played four games and you can't play a bowl game because that would – now all of a sudden you lose a year. No, let's let's use those 15 uh, practices for players who do want to come back to develop those guys. And I'm talking this is a bowl, this is a bowl scenario after we've already expanded the playoffs. So we've got the top 12 games. Top 24 teams are going to be playing in this playoff. These other bowl games are already secondary ones. They really are developmental bowls. You're 6-6 six and six and you're just trying to play for next year. Maybe – Maybe the idea is you want to get those younger guys out there instead of trying to incentivize older guys to come back to play in this meaningless bowl game to them. They're ready to move on. I don't know. Just it, it could be a different way of viewing what the bowls are moving forward. So with NIL, I, you wouldn't have to pay the players. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just every, every school's making more money uh, sure. when you're playing a bowl game. So the thought is the players get a piece of that pie based on the amount of money for the bowl game, based on the amount you're going to play in the game, based on you know, how you produce throughout the season. And so that was kind of my thought. And then if you don't play, well, hey, I'm a quarterback and I don't want to play for 25 grand. Cool. Now we're going to fine you 50. So yeah. now it's a difference of 75. So for me, that's where I don't want to fine you. I want, yeah. I want you to play. But this I, is going I, to give you triple the incentive was my I, thought. I absolutely agree with you in the sense that, and I just said this on a show last week where th- there's never been a better time to be a player because right now you can oh, make God, money yes. that you, you got, you can make money you never could make in the past. Yes. And you can sit out games if you don't want to play like that. That yep. doesn't compute to me. And the same way that I hate, I hate the idea that we have to try to bribe them essentially to play a game. But at the same token, if it's not bribing, if it's just, look, this is extra money. If we had boomer on the show right now, Redcast boomer, he would say that bowl games are just so that guys in silly colored jackets can go and, you know, get the, the administrators from schools to, to take a free vacation. I mean, that's essentially what bowls have been forever. So from that perspective, and you're, you have the former player perspective here. Yeah. I mean, if you can make it something a little bit more than a $50, you know, best buy gift card or whatever they would give out in the past, the little swag bags, you know, if you could get something a little more of that, I certainly don't have any issue of it. I just hate that being the the driver. I just want, I just want guys to want to play you know, as a fan. What? Once you well, we had an entire team opt out of a bowl game a year ago. Sorry to go backwards on that, but that didn't sure. annoy me at all. Um, and now because of it, what are we the only Power Five school that hasn't played in a bowl game in God knows how long? So thanks yep. a lot for that. Again, it doesn't annoy me at all, and I didn't receive any text from any any other former players who were angered either. <laughs> um, totally alone on that. Anyways, I digress. I'm with you, but that's mm-hmm. not that's not the day and age we live in. Uh, when you opened up NIL, it became a slippery slope. So if you don't want to pay them, just find them. I was just trying to make it more of a positive experience rather than I have to be out here. This sucks. And then you see guys going half speed. So for me, I, I don't know. The bowl games might be too far gone, but I am hopeful. Well, this is never going to happen. If it were to happen, I would be hopeful 
that we can make the bowl games exciting and interesting again and more than just another spring practice game, so to speak, or another 15 spring practices. Like it would actually be interesting and matter. I remember bowl games, they used to matter. Like that was momentum going into the offseason. And what was it, Kentucky and Iowa I watched? And they had like a true freshman quarterback and they couldn't even score at all. I think it was Kentucky. Maybe yeah. it was Iowa. I can't, Iowa couldn't score anyways. But I, I can't remember. So I digress. But I was just like, well, this game could have been incredibly interesting. Now I'm going to go do anything else, you know, because yep. it's not interesting. And so for me, once you opened up NIL, I think you kind of, and that was fine with me to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's still the wild, wild west. We got to bring in some reasonable parameters. But And I think coaches are kind of self-imposing it. Like with Matt Rule, I'm not just going to hand you all this money. I want guys who want to come in and replace. So they're kind of self-imposing uh, certain parameters. Some of the bigger mm-hmm. schools are like, hey, you want the big NIL? That's the NFL. We can get you there. If you want a bunch of money now and maybe you don't get developed as much, then maybe you go to a different place. So I mm-hmm. like the self-imposed parameters that the coaches, including Matt Rule, are trying to impose. And he's not the only one. Several big school coaches are doing that. But for me, I'm trying to figure out a way – that's never going to happen but for my own sanity at least i can think about it and have a little fun and joy in my life when it comes to bowl games hey if we did this maybe the bowl games would matter but also might be too far gone at this point so maybe it doesn't matter i will say this with i was in my head and i didn't say this in my head i was thinking bowl games played first like the bowl games matter and then maybe you take the top four teams after the bowl games so to try Mm -hmm. to put a little bit more emphasis on the bowl games if you go a 12 team playoff it doesn't matter what you do with the bowl games outside of that. They're not going to matter. No disrespect, yeah. but they're, ju- they're just not going to matter. It's um, totally secondary. At that point. Yeah, that was my thought was play the – and I did not say this. I didn't explain it. Play the bowl games first. You know, maybe we go back to Big Ten, uh, Pac-10, Pac-12 champ playing in the Rose Bowl. Of course, the Pac-12 is not going to be great in a couple of years. But, you know, you try to make the big-time bowl games matter and conference championships champions playing each other. Maybe you just make a Big Ten SEC, which would be a pseudo-national title game most years and mm-hmm. starting in the near future. But that was kind of my thought. And then you take the top four teams afterwards or something like that. But that's obviously a completely different playoff format. Yeah. Well, at the very least, what I can definitely agree with you on is uh, that – I like the idea that there should be some kind of penalties if you're sitting things out. This is at the end of the day, it's a contract that you're signing. Mm -hmm. You are making money now and now you're making money and not playing and sitting things out. I I have issues with that, but I've never understood that. You're not holding up your end of the deal. We had an offensive lineman a couple of years ago that missed the last regular season game. And I was like, what now we're missing regular season games. Thank God that didn't catch on though. Oh, geez. No kidding. Well, let's, Let's move on to you know some other great players, linemen, whatever. Who are your all-time favorite Huskers? Uh, question three. Oh, man. So when you sent me this beforehand, it's a tough one for me because I have the guys that I grew up watching. Mm-hmm. I have guys that I played with, and I have guys that I've just met on a personal level. Um, so many great former Huskers uh, possibilities. You know, the, the guys that I grew up watching that I had the most fun watching Starting with Trev Alberts. I still mm. remember after the 93 season, 94 Orange Bowl, FSU, he's out there. I think he had like 9,000 sacks with the cast on his, on his arm. Uh, a performance of a lifetime. Was it, was it three? Okay. I yeah. yeah. The, the famous poster of him holding that yeah. up with, with one arm with the, the whole cast thing on. And I like 9,000 better. I rounded it. <laughs> 9,000 um, works for me. You know, Trev Alberts, a guy who just played with his hair on fire. You know, uh, Tommy Frazier. Mm-hmm. was a guy that from the moment he stepped on campus, he was just a different type of talent, different type of player. Um, you know, there was guys that I played with. You go with Zach Taylor, 
one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet, one of the toughest quarterbacks I've ever seen. Okay. And, you know, now he's doing great things with the Bengals. Highly intelligent, understands X's and O's. And when we used to have our captain's meeting with Callahan, because he was my coach the last couple of years I was there, it was me, Zach, and Brandon Ragoni, who, by the way, is another one of my favorite Huskers of all time. Nobody wanted to be, back when you could have a wedge, nobody wanted to be on the wedge. Especially coming down as the wedge buster. Yep. Nobody wanted none of that. And everybody else was standing there watching like, yeah, this is going to be fun to watch because we're not <laughs> in. And, you know, this was a guy, I don't know, I think I'm okay to tell this. So we used to do upper body twice a week, lower body twice a week. So what he would do is, first of all, he was compact and he had a lot of muscle. So he would cramp up a lot. So he would spend 45 minutes after our workouts every day stretching just so he wouldn't have those same issues. But he would also go over, especially in the off season. So if we did a lower body day, he'd go to the rec center and he'd do upper body. And if we did an upper body day, he'd go to the rec center and do a lower body day. And I only know this because I, I saw him there one day. And I asked him, and that's what he told me. Now, I don't know if it was just that winter conditioning or that off season or something he did all four and a half years. I, I wouldn't surprise me if it was all four and a half years. Um, I mean, who does that? That's crazy. So I used to go to East Campus on our upper body days, and I would do more upper body. I would do an additional 60 to 90 minutes just because I freaking love upper body. And I wanted to get better. I didn't do it on lower body days because my legs were so exhausted anyways from running and lifting and all that. Um, but that's how hard he worked. And that was his mentality. And nobody wanted any of Brandon Ragoni. And then he ends up going from walk-on, a guy that was overlooked by schools, coming out of high school to a team captain. So that's another one of my favorite guys. You know, I've just, I've gotten to know several guys who are just good dudes, good human beings. Josh Davis and I do a camp every summer, the alumni cap camp. And we bring in a bunch of guys. Amon Green always comes into that camp, have a blast with the kids. So I've gotten to know the Davis family pretty well. Tony, his dad, uh, who's a guy, ironically, that I heard about growing up. Tough Tony Davis. Mm-hmm. I will never forget all I heard about from my dad was tough Tony Davis. And tough Tony Davis. And then I got to meet him. It was like I was wide-eyed because I'd heard about this kid or this guy. I'm sorry, my mm-hmm. since I was a kid. So uh, those are some of the guys that pop into my head. Eric Crouch. I know if I pick up the phone and I call Eric and I need something from him, he's going to pick up and he's going to help me immediately. Um, just a good dude, good people. And there's a lot of people like that. So I could keep going on and on. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out, but the more names I add and then I leave somebody out, I don't want to upset anybody, but there's a long list. Those are the names right off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. It's fun talking with former players about it because you have some of the guys that you looked up to as a kid that, you know, you were younger and you're watching them play. And then when you talk about the guys that you're with, when I had Cody Glenn on and he, you know, he looked up to, to Grant Wishram. He talked about that way that, you know, he looked at him, you know, more kind of in an iconic role. But then when he talked about um, Sue and he talked about you, these are guys that he played with. And so it was more on that, that, that level of respect. Like you're a favorite player, but it's also this respect. Like I saw how this guy worked or then I went and worked out with this guy and, and, and I still keep in touch with this person and so on. And uh, it, it's cool to, to hear that it, the Rigoni stuff is great there. Cause he's not someone that would jump off the page for a lot of, a lot of people there, but um, I, I love how you explain him there and the role that he played too. I mean, we're special teams, you here at Nebraska back in the day and uh, a guy like that, you know, walk on everything that's a, uh, that's great about. It. In fact, you know what? That might even be a good segue here into question four. And uh, I brought up a tweet here. How do you think the Huskers will do this year? 
speaking of walk-ons here, you tweeted this out. Oh, February, you go, I have the utmost respect for the walk-on program. I love that it gives more hardworking, tough, and sometimes overlooked players a chance. That being said, in order for it to be successful, it has to be ran in an efficient manner. I respect what Coach Rule and his staff are doing. All right, with that in mind here, talking about walk-ons and physical practices and all these good things, what are your thoughts here on the, how this offseason is going and, and kind of going into next year? You already talked about even some of your basic expectations or what you'd like to see, at least the bowl game. What are your thoughts? You start with Matt Rule being hired, okay? And you, you look at what he did immediately. He only had a couple, three weeks before early National Signing Day. And what he was able to accomplish in a quick, short amount of time was very impressive. And then you look at what he's done since. He has made a point to go around the state of Nebraska. I don't want to say men fences, but make sure to build relationships with high school coaches, high schools, people around the state. Like that is clearly an important thing to him. Obviously, you're going to see it because, hey, it's Matt Rule. Everybody wants to take a picture and post it. And that's awesome. So it's, it's very public for people to see without him, you know, advertising it because he's just trying to do the right thing and other people get excited and it's going to build uh, positivity, momentum around the state. Also with recruiting, we've had a hard time in-state recruiting the past few years. And that's something that's going to immensely help with recruiting. You look at, I mean, his big thing is development. And one of his favorite times of a football season is actually the off season, winter conditioning, mat drills, spring ball. And, you know, I loved when, what was it like? one degree when they were pushing the sleds outside in the snow or whatever. And I thought that was awesome because and he was talking about, we're going to learn to do these things in cold weather. Uh, you know, there are, there's times in the past I'd go watch a practice and they'd be inside the Hawks and I'd be like, aren't we playing Wisconsin outside in the cold on Saturday? I'm not trying to throw shade on anyone in the past. I'm just relaying accurate stories. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things that didn't add up to me. And so he's, he's trying to build that physical toughness, the physical callus, especially to the cold weather, the mental toughness. Like, hey, there's nothing new about playing in the cold. We've been doing this since January, pushing sleds in the freaking snow in one degree. And I love that. I love what he's building. I love that he's honest, but not over the top blunt. If you listen to what he says, he'll tell you how he truly feels. But he's not going to be overly direct or what could be misconstrued sometimes as rude or something like that. And, you know, after the first spring practice, he had a lot of positive things to say. But then he would say, I don't know how good we are. You know, he would be just honest. He's like, I don't know. Uh, It almost like if you just kind of read between the lines, he'd been up for a long time. Even admitted he got up early that morning and he was kind of tired. You could almost see like man, this might be a little bigger than he had anticipated because they've got talent, but then you get on the field. Well, how can you make it applicable to the football field? And so maybe he got his first glimpse of that. Uh, he's probably also a little bit tired too. I think people forget coaches mm-hmm. are human beings as well. Uh, but it was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, we got a ways to go here, which I'm sure he expected. Yeah, that I think part of what has helped him get off to such a good start is maybe the hiring process, very unique. You know, how often do you have a 70-day search where the coach that you end up getting was available for 60-some days of it, had a chance to come to Lincoln on a surprise weekend with Trev and the family and get to see a game day and and really get an opportunity to, through in his head, also have his family give him the, the go-ahead, yes, take this, Dad, mm-hmm. but to have – 60 days worth of time to go, nope, I don't want it. I'm going to get paid out by the, the Panthers anyways. I can go golfing or no, this is what I want to do. And I mean, he took he took over a position. I think of so many other coaching staffs when this happens, it's 
you get fired one day and within three days you get, you get hired now, boom, you know, build something and you go from there. And he really looks like he knew what he was doing because um, he, he had put some thought into it. Now, speaking of thought, you know, tomorrow night we're going to have Glenn Snodgrass on the, the head coach at York and he was at the, the coaches clinic. And over this weekend, now I went to the coaches clinic from the last year of Solich all the way through the frost era. Loved it. Every single year go there and you, you watch speakers and you also get to watch practice scrimmage. And I want to bring up something with you. This is, um, this is uh, this last weekend, uh, a lot was made of the fact that they went live with the quarterbacks. They did the physical practices and uh, took the green jerseys off essentially and let them get hit. I'm a big fan of that. I was at the practice in 2005. I don't expect you to remember the specifics of it, but I was at the scrimmage, 200 play scrimmage that, that Coach Callahan had, where Joe Daly walks into the practice, the starting quarterback. And by the end of it, Zach Taylor walks out of it, the starter. And it was you and Jay Moore. Like even Smith and Titus Adams and Stuart Bradley literally beating the crap out of those quarterbacks. But the difference with Zach was he would get up, he would call one of those, you know, 50 word plays in the West coast offense. He'd complete a three yard out. He'd move the ball. And then kind of by the end of the practice or the scrimmage, he was starting to, you could tell he was controlling it. And by the end of it, Joe Daly sitting in uh, end zone by himself. I almost felt bad for the guy, but he was sitting over there by himself and we got out of there. And there's only like 200, 300 of us in the, in the stadium. And I called my uncle after that. And I'm like, well, we have a new quarterback and it's not Harrison Beck. It's not the big, you know, four-star Florida kid. There's this Zach Taylor guy. I don't know anything about him other than what I watched today, but he clearly was in control of things. Now on this show, I've been an advocate of taking the green jerseys off at times. Don't just beat the guys up just to beat them up, but take it off. Let these guys play because you'll never learn about them. If you don't play, you can't get better at football. If you don't play real football, you'll never learn about that. If you don't take those, those jerseys off every once in a while. So I loved it when I heard that. And I guess I'm curious on your, your standpoint. I don't know if you remember the, the scrimmage that I'm talking about, but also what were your thoughts when you heard that they took those jerseys off and let the guys play? I believe I remember the scrimmage. Um, I believe the scrimmage was supposed to be an hour and it ended up being about two hours. Callahan mm. just kept adding and adding plays. And he wanted to see who would respond, how you'd respond, and what you'd do. And as you talked about, you know, I'd mentioned Zach's one of the toughest quarterbacks I've, I've ever met. And a guy like Zach's going to respond to that. I'll never forget the first time I saw Zach. And I think I've shared this in the past, maybe when he first got there. I don't know. But I remember watching him in winter conditioning. I didn't know anything about him. And I remember watching him, and he'll tell you he's not the fastest guy in the world. I was like, I, I, I really hope he's good at throwing the ball. Like, that was kind of my, my instant reaction. And he's heard that story, so it's okay that I share that. Obviously, Big 12 Player of the Year by the time he was done as a senior, mm -hmm. so I think he did all right, which is why I'm okay with sharing that story. Uh, you know, that scrimmage or this past Saturday's or weekend scrimmage where Rule took the jerseys off the quarterbacks, either way you look at it. I remember when I first got to Nebraska – and we would do scrimmages, and they'd been doing it this way forever. So I was, you know, who was I to say anything? I never understood why they kept the green jerseys on, because how are you supposed to get used to hitting and being hit and running people mm -hmm. over, especially we're running the option back then. You know, so I, I didn't quite understand that. But, you know, I wasn't going to question what they'd been doing for decades. And I love it. you got to be smart with it. The obvious, everyone knows why they put the green jerseys on the quarterbacks. Pretty important position. You don't want to bang him up. You need him for the games. But Yep. You're going to get hit in the game. So how do you build up that toughness, that callus, that mentality to be tough like that? You got to do it a little bit. And I think the offseason is a perfect time to do it. 
if you get banged up, you got more time to recover, get healed, get better. If for some reason you can't practice, it gives somebody else an opportunity while you still don't have a game for months. So to me, the off season is a perfect time to do it. Maybe early on in camp, as the games get closer, obviously I wouldn't do it very much. So I love that, and I think it speaks to the mentality that Coach Rule is trying to impart to the team as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know you're, we're going to get going here pretty soon, but, uh, I'm going to, uh, but before we do, uh, let's talk a little bit expectations next season. Uh, bowl game tends to be when I'm talking with people at the very least, we really want to get back into that. So I'm not throwing out six and six as a record. In fact, when I'm doing this off season, I'm calling it the race to six. Let's get to six wins. Now, if it takes six weeks and we're six and oh, awesome. Let's reevaluate our expectations. Let's go win eight, nine, 10, whatever. Right. But if we're five and six and out and Iowa's coming in here on, on Black Friday, then win the damn game. Let's get to six. Let's get to a bowl game. That still has to mean something. That's a tangible proof that all the great things I think we're seeing. I, I'm buying in. I'm drinking some Kool-Aid right now. But um, but it, the tangible evidence has got to be that let, let's at least do the bare minimum of what we used to take for granted in this program, the state, for, for decades. Let's get back to a bowl game now. Do you agree there? Or what are your expectations really for next season? I think that's how everybody feels. I think it's kind of unanimous across the board. You, I mean, the cupboard is, is not bare. Yeah, they've got to take, they've got to kind of build from the ground up when it comes to culture, when it comes to taking the ability that we have on this team, which is the fourth most talented roster in the Big Ten Conference, and applying that to the football field, which you take a bunch of track athletes, that doesn't make them great football players, but at least you've got the talent and the ability and good size on this team and the trenches and things of that nature. You got building blocks, more than Rule had at Temple, more than he had at Baylor. Uh, which was a menagerie when he took it over. So much so that he called and asked his dad, who's a high school football coach, hey, can you come help me? And his dad literally basically lived in his office during his his first year or two at Baylor while he was building that program. So he's got better building blocks. And then you look at the schedule. For the second year in a row, this is not a murderer's row schedule. Obviously, there's some tough games on there. But you look at our non-conference. I don't know. Is the toughest non-conference game Colorado? I, I, I don't know. Uh, probably, yeah. I guess, you know, that's going to be the most hyped non-conference game. They had one win last year. So I think we can get, you talk about the race to six, I think we can get a decent amount of wins right out the gate. And I believe we play, I believe we play Michigan again. I think we go to we, Wisconsin we this year, to Iowa. Uh, you know, but Wisconsin's got a brand new coach. They're changing their offense. Iowa's just trying to get to 25 points a game or they're going to have to get a new offensive coordinator. So again, I think six wins is very, very doable. And if he can do that, I think Husker Nation would be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Adam, uh, it's been about 45 minutes. I know that's kind of what we said we'd do. I want to thank you for joining us here. It's always a tradition on the Redcast and on the forum to have our guest take us out of here with some parting shots. And so with that here, I guess I got to do my little graphic. Give us some parting shots. Take us out of here, Adam. You know what? I'm excited to see how spring ball – I know we're getting going – probably getting towards the middle of it now, how it wraps up. I'm excited to watch tackling in the spring game. That's something I look forward to. Maybe he'll take the jerseys off the quarterbacks as well. That'd be awesome. Um, I like that Rule just seems to kind of understand what Husker fans want, which is why I think Alberts wanted him so much. Mm. Clearly, this is the guy that Alberts wanted. And I think that's why. Because what Rule wants to do is what Husker fans want to see. And I think it can translate to wins as well. So I'm a little bit disappointed you know, I wore this shirt for a reason. And then we sit down, you can't even see the freaking thing. So I've at least got to, yeah, I've at least got to throw it up so people can see it. So 
Until next time, go Big Red. Throw the bones. The character show that's going to be starting next Monday, noon to 1 o'clock on 93.7 The Ticket. Uh, Keeping your eyes and ears open for uh, Character Chronicles coming out at some point here, kind of going into next season. Adam Carriker, thank you so much for joining us. And just remember, Redcasters, you too could be the next one to join us on the forum. Heard at Sports Network Production.